Welcome to the Music Tourist Podcast. My name is Olaf Furness, and in 2016, I hosted the world's first international music tourism conference. I'm also the founder of the Y Days Convention, a member of the Scottish Tourist Guides Association, and the co-writer of Scotland's longest-running newspaper column dedicated to emerging artists, Under the Radar. In 2021, I was invited to the amazing M4 Montreal Festival and following the event, met up with Ruby Roy, who hosts several music tours in the city. You can find out more about her at rubyroy.ca. Today, I'd like to welcome Ruby Roy, who is a former president of the World Federation of Tourist Guides Association and the president of the Montreal Guides Association. Um, she does all types of guiding. Um, it would take me it would take me about five minutes to sum them all up. But I've been super keen to interview her because she um, has a range of different music tours, in, including a Leonard Cohen tour, a jazz-based tour, and a general music tour. And I think it'd be uh, great if you could tell us which one of these came first, how they came about, and you know, one by one, tell us a little bit about what people can expect on one of these tours. Well, thank you for the invitation. Um, the, the, the music portion of the tour actually started the year that I became a guide because I wanted to do things a little differently and incorporate the things that Montreal is really well known for and one of them is art. It's a city that spends a lot on art. So that's what the general one started and because uh, from the moment that I became a guide I started working with the media relations department at Tourism Montreal, I was creating story ideas because of the number of journalists and we wanted to uh, get these story ideas. So the first tour was actually the general music tour. Uh, that one is uh, uh, being done, or I should, uh, the request comes a lot from salespeople in hotels, very often because they want to get, you know, uh, uh, promoters and so on to to be able to know a little bit about Montreal and its music history and the second one uh, is definitely the Leonard Cohen uh, tour and I and I that one is quite unusual because uh, I never liked Leonard Cohen <laughs> basically it's not that I didn't like him but I'm a happy person and it was a bit depressing and as a child, my father being a teacher, we were in accelerated English, so he would have us memorize Dickens. And, you know, by the time we were eight, everybody had done Dickens, and he is a contemporary of Leonard Cohen. So he had us memorize Leonard Cohen's poetry and music and so on. And I, I can remember as a child thinking, God, this man is depressing. And as I was working for Tourism Montreal, I think it started in the uh, mid-90s where we had a lot of British journalists who were requesting tours on Leonard Cohen. So the sales director at the time, Jill Bengal, said, does anybody know how to do a Leonard Cohen tour? And I said, oh, I can do that with my eyes closed because I had to memorize it. Presumably you closed your ears as well <laughs> exactly. so you didn't get depressed. So I said, yeah, I can do it with no problem. And um, I would say in that first year it was probably six or seven different uh, uh, journalists that were writing for newspapers. I think one of the first ones was The Guardian the Telegraph and um, I think Lonely Planet or something like that. 
and that grew very quickly but I would say that the Leonard Cohen tour at the beginning was not you know regular visitors or guests it was either media or people who were huge Leonard Cohen fans and uh, it started very often when I asked guests well how did you find out about the Leonard Cohen tours and it was often the articles that were in these newspapers or these stories or TV programs and um, so I started doing them and then when Leonard Cohen uh, passed away in 2016 it would not stop so when he passed away people flew from around the world to have a vigil in front of his house from Australia it was it was incredible and the interesting thing is that he died a day before the presidential election in the US in Los Angeles but nobody knew about it his family quietly buried him in Montreal and announced his death two days later so people didn't know that that this had happened and uh, so the the request came in pretty much from everywhere and then in 2017-18 the Contemporary Arts Museum had a absolutely amazing uh, exhibit on Leonard Cohen which was tactile it was uh, auditory it was it was uh, it was very um, you used all of your senses to go through it it was so popular that uh, it lasted uh, six months and the museum had to be open several hours so anybody who did Leonard Cohen tours with me private tours they ended up getting to see the exhibit um, before the museum opened and that's an interesting um, it's an interesting marriage in a way with a museum and a tour and you know the the birth of hip hop tour, for example, in New York stops off in the New York Museum, um, but there's also a stop in the Bronx in a soul food cafe, and it's it's essentially creating a I suppose you could call it a value chain um, within that within that tour. So you you've you've already you're also creating value for the fans because they can get into the museum without exactly. having a queue. Are there any other elements where you work with other businesses to um, within those tours where you're maybe stopping off at a venue or you're stopping off at a cafe or do you go for bagels? The, where, uh, the diehard Leonard Cohen fans, so those who are music fans and Leonard Cohen fans, is actually a full day uh, tour. And because the places are so spread out, we usually do it in a car and usually I'm driving or we have a sprinter. And we, we do it in chronological order. So from the place he was born, his house is still here, his school, his high school, his university, the places he lived, um, his favorite places that he would eat, that he would shop, we go to his house. So he was uh, very much uh, a Montrealer. You'd see him on the street, he was nondescript. So it was very easy uh, to incorporate um, a little bit of his life. And uh, so what I normally do with the tour is I incorporate parts of the either the poetry his writing or the music to locations in Montreal that are specifically mentioned or people are not sure so Suzanne referring to this little chapel in old Montreal and so on and um, so the, the I mean people love it if and and the other uh, group that does this tour is actually I do a lot of Jewish uh, heritage tours so those who are here for Jewish heritage tours that's included but it's cut short so we just include a portion of it I don't bring it bring him to the house and so on uh, and only for the diehard fans uh, the last place that we stop it is at his resting place um, which uh, is not easy to find 
but they love it. They and you you obviously mentioned the journalists, the diehard fans. You presumably also get perhaps the more casual person that's like, yeah, okay, I know Hallelujah. I um, you know I, I've got I've got a spare bit of time. Um, well, this is one of the most famous uh, famous people from Montreal. What uh, I'll go and check out this tour. How do you make it? How do you adapt it rather for for the more casual visitor? I, I actually include a little bit of Leonard Cohen in all of the tours that I do because he uh, had such an impact and he's hard to miss because we have two wall murals of him. So naturally, when I pass by one or the one or, or two of them. Uh, that you know, people often uh, think that he looks like uh, Anthony Bourdain. I said, no, that's not Anthony Bourdain. Yes, <laughs> I'm sorry, but that's Leonard Cohen. And both of the wall murals are actually when he was older, not younger. So he did look like uh, Anthony Bourdain to a certain uh, uh, certain time. And in in whether it's a coach tour, I'll often stand in front of it and I said, you know who it is. And when they don't, I said, well, I'll give you a hint, and I start singing it. And they go, oh, I know that song. It's, oh, it's the Hallelujah guy. And they don't know that Leonard Cohen is from Montreal because they, they know the other versions of it. So Jeff Buckley's and so on. He goes, really? That was Leonard Cohen? Yeah, that was Leonard Cohen. So that's it. I think that um, even the regular visits or people that are here uh, appreciate it because I don't, unless you live under a rock, I think everybody knows Hallelujah. So what is interesting is that they discover other bits of his music and poetry and so on and for the diehards fans what I've also done is I've pretty much bought all of the commemorative stamps so they get they get that as well to take home and frame wow I didn't realize there was a commemorative stamp and I, I knew there was an Elvis one but that that went pretty quickly um, <laughs> and other are there any sort of things that now in terms of the demand, I mean, obviously you said that the demand rocketed um, after he passed away. How many, how many Leonard Cohen tours pre-pandemic um, had you done and, you know, how did it sort of taper off a little bit or... I would was it say fairly consistent business? It was pretty consistent, and uh, I'm not an easy person to find, so it's not something that I actually have on a page. It's word of mouth. Um, recently, I've been putting it up, but those who know me have said, oh, you got to do a Leonard Cohen tour, so it's really been word of mouth. And um, in 2016, November, when he passed away, so it wasn't that year, but in the spring of 2017, I did... Uh, over the course of the season, so May till uh, November of the next year, uh, 40 tours, 40 Leonard Cohen tours. So whether they were partial tours included in a tour or full Leonard Cohen tours. Uh, in 2019, I think that was a record-breaking year. Uh, in 2018, we had the exhibit at the Contemporary Arts Museum, so that was really what attracted um, a lot of people, but interestingly enough, during some of the music festivals, especially jazz, I get a lot of requests for um, for including Leonard Cohen into. It could be a food tour, it could have been just a walking tour. So there is there is quite a lot of requests for it. And you mentioned that you worked a lot with um, the sales departments of hotels and with uh, the the media department um, from the destination marketing organization do you um do you work with the convention center are there any other 
are there any other clients that where you're on their radar for for this kind of tour or who are recommending you for this this type of tour uh definitely uh, and it not just the sales uh directors of hotels but people who want something a little bit different that's recognizable uh in the last uh, three years even pre-pandemic um, I've uh, given uh, online uh, presentations on, on Leonard Cohen, uh, sometimes for CEOs, of course, during the pandemic that happened quite a bit. And it's, uh, we, I just recently did an artificial intelligence conference and they wanted it included in their platform as um, someone who was important in Montreal. So that, that has been, um, that has been going. I don't think there, the interest in Leonard Cohen has stopped uh the other thing is his he an, an album just came out so of course that that encouraged people to do it as well and from the time of his death to even today we still have regular tributes to leonard cohen in the city um we did uh, with the symphony orchestra in public spaces we've had uh, you know artists performing in different places not just hallelujah one interesting thing during the pandemic um I was downtown and of course all the office buildings were empty and uh, I would walk from office building to office building with my mask on with just the security guards and every building I would sing a different verse of hallelujah to see what the reaction would be and the security guard would turn around and goes oh is that the hallelujah guy I said oh I'm educating people so it was kind of fun because the acoustics were so great so I said ah oh, why not <laughs> yeah it's worth mentioning that you're you're also a singer and a dancer so um uh, a real renaissance woman <laughs> I would say um and you've also had various roles for um for what's it visit montreal or what's the what's the organization tourism montreal that's it yes uh from the time that i became a guide in 1992 till about 2017 i was their go-to guide uh, and uh, i worked for both the sales department communication and the media relations department but media was my specialty so film crews media and journalists uh, I was also manager uh, for um, for a year. And, and you've worked, f was it for Air Canada? Yeah, uh -huh. I worked for the Convention Centre, Concierge at the Queen Elizabeth Hotel. There, the only thing I haven't done in this industry is I've never waited on a table, and you probably don't want me to do that. <laughs> so it's better okay. that Okay, um, that's one of the things that I've done, and I have to admit I didn't enjoy it very much. Uh, <laughs> it, it inspired me to make an effort as a tourist guide and, uh, <laughs> while I was still a student as well. So um, did you ever meet Leonard Cohen? I did. Uh, it was on a flight from Montreal to uh, Montreal to Los Angeles, and um, I was sitting in a seat, and I kept looking over to my left and sort of switching my head until he said, "Yes, I am Leonard Cohen." <laughs> I was so embarrassed, and uh, so I, you know, I said I, I was a Montrealer, and. Um, we had a discussion about something other than music, and my boyfriend at the time is a huge Leonard Cohen fan, and I thought, um, would you mind if I actually got an autograph for him? And uh, so, you know, he asked me if I knew about, you know, if I liked his music, and I said, to be very honest, I find you a bit depressing. <laughs> I'm sorry, since I know hallelujah, but everything is so down and depressing. Um, I couldn't believe I said that. To How Leonard did he Cohen. take it? He laughed. He laughed. But we had a great conversation. And I think that that was the 
the, the changer in me that really had me um, uh, understand him a little bit. So I've actually bought everything written about or by him and have read it. And then I, I now understand where things come from and, you know, why the lyrics were this and what inspired him. And, uh, but it didn't happen before that conversation with him. And were you already doing the tours when you met him? So this was like before doing the tours. Before doing the tours. I, 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 I did a few tours, but the, obviously before he passed away. So it, I would say that 2014, 15 is when that, interest really sort of grew and then obviously 2016 um, and there aren't there is nobody else that does the tour uh, people know a little bit about him of course guides know about him but it's a, it's a full-on tour so it's it's quite interesting I, I enjoy doing it so do you think that having met him that's what allowed you to devote the time and the enthusiasm into making the tour do you think if you hadn't met him it would have been much more difficult because you just think find it would have been very difficult <laughs> And, and now the, the interesting thing is that, you know, there are versions of different different pieces of his music that we hear everywhere. So I, I you know, sort of tweak my ear. I wouldn't have done that before I met him. And it, it was really a conversation. He's, he's soft-spoken and he's very uh, private. So we didn't talk about anything private, but just, uh, the, the, you know, the conversation with him was was uh, was really quite interesting. I, I, um, I really appreciate it. I did get the autograph from my my uh, now ex-boyfriend but he what did he say when you told him that you'd told Leonard Cohen you <laughs> thought his music was boring and depressing <laughs> he thought I was an idiot <laughs> <laughs> so you also do uh, general the general music tour what what would people what could people expect in that I mean what kind of things do you talk about it all about? depends on the time of the year but what I really do is I I take uh, people uh, during a uh, during a tour but I, inc I incorporate music parts of it and I really go through the history of music in Montreal from the 1600s to today and my favorite period is the 20s to the 50s uh, when prohibition happened in, in the rest of North America, but not in Montreal, and jazz musicians started to move in here. Another period that really interests me is once Montreal became a British city in the 1760s, it was actually um, Scottish and English merchants who were very philanthropic towards their city that donated um, you know spaces for music it was the ladies who started uh, for example music societies one that's still around today uh, John Molson who um, is uh, the person who started the first brewery the family still owns the brewery and he was one that helped in uh, you know music society and the interesting thing is his descendants uh, they're the ones who are the owners of our hockey team and they're involved in the Bell Center where we have a lot of our concerts so it's almost like a full circle and when it comes to French Canadians um, the Catholic Church controlled everything about them uh, from until the 1960s and it was really in the 60s that you saw a lot of Quebecois artists like uh, uh, Félix Leclerc or um, um, Gilles Vigneault who wrote a, a many songs that are you know uh, that are important that we learn so so for example when we sing happy birthday we don't do happy birthday to you the song is um, uh, mon 
cher ami, c'est à ton tour de te laisser parler d'amour. That's one of his songs and they've taken that. It's also the song that nationalists in the province of Quebec use as, you could say, their theme song or their national anthem as well. And um, in the 1960s, well, the, the one of our hockey arenas, the Forum, which is downtown, uh, is where uh, the first rock concerts happen. And the very first rock concert ever played, the Beatles in 1964. So that's an interesting little thing. And then they moved, uh, of course, to the Rolling Stones and so on. But we moved uh, to the current Bells, um, uh, Bell Center where we have uh, concerts. And festivals, We the society that started festivals in Montreal started in the 1800s. So we are known as Canada's festival capital. And when it comes to music in particular, music and the arts are really encouraged in the city. Uh, already after the 1960s, when we reformed education and healthcare, the SEJEPs, which are like A-level, O-level in the UK type of thing, uh, as well as the universities, all had music departments. So I went to a high school that was renowned for its music department. And before that, before the 1960s, it was, it was, it was there, but not quite there. And we had uh, several uh, private music schools and so on. But uh, by the 1960s, it was included in the curriculum of universities, of high schools and so on. It's interesting because I, I'm here for, I'm from Montreal and I went to a whole bunch of gigs last night and they were all really well attended. And there were, you know, the the everyone was out i mean there were loads of bars loads of clubs loads of venues but this was just the the gigs taking place for him for montreal there was also another event on at the same time with loads of gigs and what i find really inspiring was just the sheer number of people that were engaging with music and you know one of the things that really struck me is n no one had their mobile phone out either they were just enjoying music i felt a bit of a dick because i started taking little bits of video and photos to use afterwards but uh, that's another matter now you mentioned the beatles um playing here we're actually recording this interview in the fairmont queen elizabeth hotel where john lennon and yoko ono um hung out naked for what was it a week or is it uh yeah. yeah, I mean, we couldn't go up there today. I did have a Tourette thought that it would be amazing to get a naked selfie in that <laughs> suite. But I I'll, um, I can mention this because this will go out afterwards. I won't obviously go and do a naked selfie in there if I get access on Monday. But um, I think it's interesting the, the way um, hotels are making something of the the music legacy you walk around this hotel there's there's four big blown up photographs of john lennon um the you mentioned the fact that the sales departments from the hotels are getting you to do music tours it's quite a rare thing but am i right in thinking that the the hotels have a historical um connection with music as well that the concerts took place in in hotels absolutely um when we look at again the period by the time the by the time the montreal became a predominantly english-speaking city uh not too far from where we're seated we used to have the windsor ballroom and in that windsor ballroom because we didn't have venues for huge concerts most of these uh music uh concerts that were that were taking place 
that were also experimental like they are today with indie rock took place in the in the hotels so the Windsor Ballroom was one there there's a there was the Roscoe Hotel where actually Dickens stayed when he was here that was also very popular for music the Ritz Carlton is another one so the oldest uh, hotel still standing today is the Ritz Carlton Hotel which is the first one in the world the one in London and Paris are not Ritz Carlton's and imagine during the 1920s and 30s we had jazz musicians and an interesting story about that is um, Oscar Peterson played there but at one point people didn't want him there because he was black and they said no the band said he if he's not with us then the band doesn't play so he did and uh, so with with music and, and music history some of the hotels are not around anymore but I would say that the the Fairmont Queen Elizabeth when I even when I used to work here people used to steal the the number of the of the suite because it was a John Lennon and we used to have his record albums and it was you know they were they kept getting stolen what I love about the suite now in the hotel renovated in 2017 the actual space in the bed is in the exact space and you'll see on the window it says give peace a chance and there's a green telephone where you can actually hear John Lennon's conversation. There's a guitar in the room. You have the recordings. And then in the ante room, you have all of the photos and the menus. So John Lennon would order turtle soup, which we can't do today. And the head of security, um, who was amazing, uh, jo George Urquhart, had written all his notes. So you have his, you know, his notes and things uh, that are on the inside. And interestingly enough, nobody actually sleeps in that bed for some reason I don't know if they think it's sacred uh, the 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 wall art that we have outside of the door was done by the same artist who did one of the Leonard Cohen wall murals outside as well and uh, so when it comes to especially this hotel the 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 request and the story about it is 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 often in demand and if the suite is taken or the hotel is taken what the hotel did which is amazing is in the main lobby we have a room called the Agora room and in normal times what will happen is there is an organization called Cité Memoire and we're known for animation illustration and so on uh, we have these projections in old Montreal and the only ones that are inside a hotel are here and the you sit in this lounge just like we're seating and you can watch the whole story of Give Peace a Chance. They're by actors, it's not John Lennon, but it's great because it's in surround sound and you hear Give Peace a Chance and a bit of the story and history of Montreal. So I think they've done a great job and at the 50th anniversary of uh, the, the bed-in, uh, I was involved with the, the media relation and there was this big ball that said love and the hotel had John Lennon's car in the lobby. Uh, it, it, was, it was absolutely amazing. And um, again, uh, there, we have another room in the hotel that we actually can use as a venue uh, where we had um, uh, Beatles music being played. So they turned it into a bar and they really take advantage of the story because you, you, if you don't know what happened in this hotel and you live in Montreal, it's better that you move to Toronto. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, now we've only got a little bit of time left but I've um, you've mentioned the two Leonard Cohen murals um, in Montreal I, I walked past a huge mural um, to the a fado singer in the um, in the Portuguese uh, area yesterday and 
those are three things that come to mind. But if a, if a music, uh, if someone's in Montreal and they they want to see a site with a musical connection or a mu mural, are there any top tips that you would give them? Is there something that's a must-see, be it a statue or other murals or even a, a location? There are several of them. I think the two st that stand out, of course, but uh, music and art is such a part of our life that it's actually accessible to everyone. Um, if you're here during the summer months, for example, uh, in Montreal, if anything takes place outdoors, uh, it has to be free to the public. So in most places you pay to get into the site. So the area that we have the Jazz Festival, for example, the headquarters of the Jazz Festival has a lit up mural. So you only see it at night and you'll see the faces of well-known jazz musicians who have played at the festival. That's one of the places that you'll have it. We have projections in Old Montreal that talk about um, music history as well and in many of our neighborhoods in I mentioned to you Gilles Villeneuve so we have a, a mosaic of this man's face and one that that is not well known in the 1930s during the depression we had a woman by the name of Mary Travis who was a Scottish married to a French Canadian she had such a beautiful voice that she would sing to people in the 1930s and in our metro system we have a beautiful uh, uh, not a wall mural, but a, um, a, a vitro, a uh, stained glass window of the story and history of music in Montreal with um, one of our well-known Emma Alba Albany, who was from Montreal, born here, but played opera around the world in the 1860s. So th there isn't a neighborhood that you won't touch on that. And we touch on that during, uh, during the music tours. Wow, uh, next time I'm coming back, I have to do a music tour with you. It's been such a sort of whirlwind visit for me. But um, on that subject, if someone wants to book you, how do they how do they find you if they want to get a private tour with you? So it's uh, very easy. Uh, I'm easy to find. It's www.rubyroy.ca. And I'm on pretty much every social media. I'm posting regularly or on LinkedIn. Okay. Ruby, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks very much. You're welcome. Thank you to Chuck P for production and Kelman Greek for the sign bed. If you'd like to get in touch, my email is olaf at musictourist.net. LinkedIn and YouTube are simply Music Tourist. And on Instagram, it's The Music Tourist. Thanks for listening.